When I was in college in Mandalay, Myanmar, I gathered with a group of friends for tea and breakfast every Saturday morning. One of them had a motorcycle, and one day he was hit by a car riding his bike. But he still showed up on the following Saturday for breakfast with bandages around his head and arms. He said, when I was hit, I thought I would die. My motorcycle was completely crushed under the car. He described the horrible accident vividly to us. Then he said, I wish I die at the moment because I had been a good boy all these days. If I died in that accident, I know I would go straight to heaven. There was the perfect moment, but now I have to continue to be good. I don't know when I might stumble. It's not easy to be good all the time, you know? Of course, he was half joking, but it gave us some food for thought. Do we really go to heaven if we die when we are being good? Can we really maintain our goodness all the time in order to go to heaven? Is it possible at all since humans are sinners by nature? As Christians, we know we are saved by grace and not by work. However, repeatedly in the Bible, we read Jesus said he expects to see our good work when he returns. Jesus died for us on the cross to redeem us for our sins. If we have to depend on our own goodness to be saved, then why would Jesus need to die for us? Believers have been debating on this subject for 2,000 years. Some early Christians thought that they could go wild and live promiscuously since Jesus had already paid for the price of their sins. Peter, Paul, and other disciples had to write letters to those Christians to watch their behaviors. For example, Paul said, What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Romans 6.15 If we are under the law, we pay the price for our sins. Paul is not talking about the civil law but the law of God, such as the Ten Commandments. However, because of what Jesus had done for us, we no longer live under the law but under God's grace. The Bible said that doesn't mean we are freed to live a sinful life, assuming we are forgiven by grace and continue to live by grace. Paul said that to sin is to be slaves to sin. Now, since we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God, we should behave like God, living in righteousness. Paul said, but now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved by God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life. Romans 6.22 Sanctification, in a nutshell, means becoming a saint. It's a process of becoming righteous and holy. It doesn't mean every Christian can become purely righteous and holy, but being in the process itself is a sign that we are being sanctified and heading to eternal life. How do you know you are in the process of sanctification? You will feel repulsive at sin to start with. Paul then said, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 Notice it says free gift. If it is a free gift, why must we work for it? 
we must know that every promise of God comes with a premise. Today we will unpack this wisdom through Jesus' parable of the ten bridesmaids. One of the most important questions in life is, if I die today, would I go to heaven? If you can answer yes confidently, you have a joyful life. Because sages say, you are not ready to live until you are ready to die. From the moment we are born, we are headed to death. Every human being is more or less anxious about that impending death. So if you want happiness in this life, you must first solve that death problem and make sure you have the free ticket to eternal life so that you don't have to worry about that ever again. So let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the Lightkeeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today is from the Gospel according to Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then the kingdom of heaven is like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lambs and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lambs, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lambs. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep away, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Matthew 25, 1-13 Blessed are those who delight in God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's first look at the context. Jesus told this parable on one of the last days before his crucifixion. He was preaching, teaching, and debating with the religious leaders at the temple in Jerusalem. So they gave up debating with him because they lost every debate, and they went to plot to kill him. We covered those events in my previous messages. Now, knowing he was about to be killed, he began to give his disciples his last words. He said he would die, go to heaven, and return, teaching them how to wait for his return using four parables. The parable of the lambs, or the parable of the ten bridesmaids, is the second of the four. It tells us how to wait for his second coming with endurance. His coming would be like the beginning of a wedding party, meaning the kingdom of God is like a glamorous banquet, full of joyful celebration with dancing, eating, singing, and you name it. It's eternal happiness. He says, 
Then the kingdom of heaven would be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Matthew 25, 1-2 The Greek word for bridesmaids is virgins. That's why some versions of the Bible use virgins instead of bridesmaids. So bridesmaids is more like an interpretation than literal translation to help us understand easier. They were most likely young teenagers or preteens. Most teenage girls dream of being bridesmaids because they could enjoy the most beautiful dresses and make up and present themselves like princesses. I remember when my daughter Cassie was young, she wanted to be the flower girl at a wedding. Since I had to officiate many weddings, I thought one of these families would hire my daughter to be their flower girl. It turned out to be that every wedding had their own flower girl from their relatives. And none of my relatives got married during those years, so she didn't have the opportunity to be the flower girl. I wanted to fulfill her dream so much. At one point, I thought Sophie and I should have another wedding ceremony, maybe for a renewal of our marriage vows, so that we can fulfill our little girl's dream to be the flower girl at the wedding of her own parents. It didn't materialize because many things kept us busy those days. Time flies. I didn't know that children don't stop growing. We can't turn the clock back now. In this parable, Jesus is the bridegroom and the church members are the bridesmaids. Just get into the shoes of the teenage girls for a moment and imagine the Christian life as the life of the bridesmaids, the most beautiful, exciting, and joyful moment in life. The sad part of this parable is that five of the bridesmaids were foolish and the others were wise. Jesus said, when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. It doesn't mean they don't have oil, but they don't have extra oil for refill. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Verses 3 to 4. In those days, wedding parties took place at night because people worked during the day, and the evening was the best time for more guests to attend. The bridesmaids had their lights to usher the groom to come home to start the party. Allegorically, the darkness represents our world, and the lamps represents our light. As Jesus said, you are the light of the world. What represents light? Your light is your fruit of the Spirit. You bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The wise girls took flasks of oil with their lamps. That means they took their job seriously. They were determined to see the groom and usher the groom in. They prepared for the worst so they didn't miss the crucial moment, leaving no room for the devil to destroy their party. So the foolish and the wise differ in the way they treat their opportunity seriously. Then Jesus said, as the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. Verse 5. The parable didn't tell why the groom was delayed. A 
According to tradition, the groom goes to the bride's home to negotiate the dowry with his future in-laws. Maybe that negotiation was taking long or there are other matters. But it doesn't matter why, but the point is Christ's coming is delayed. 2,000 years later, he has not yet returned. Based on what Jesus said previously, we are not supposed to wonder why he was delayed or when he would come. Our job is to be prepared for him to come at any time. All we must remember is that the wedding party would take place sooner or later. The kingdom will surely come. Both the wise and foolish bridesmaids fell asleep. Life happens. Falling asleep doesn't mean their lights went off. It just describes how long the groom was delayed. But anyhow, the wise were fully prepared for the worst. Then Jesus said, But at the midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise reply, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. The wise girls didn't share their oil, not because they didn't want to, but because they didn't have enough to share. If they did, all of them would be locked out. The wise know how to count the cost. Again, the key point is that they were determined to join the party. Seeing the groom matters most for them. Even though eternal life is a free gift for us, we must want it enough to have it. The story continues. And while they went away to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Verses 10 to 12. The hardest part of this story is when the groom says, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Truly I tell you means seriously. So he says, Seriously, I don't know you. You might wonder how an omniscient God didn't know these people. These girls are usually selected from the community, and they call him Lord, Lord. Why would he say, I don't know you? In other occasions, Jesus said that on his second coming, he would say to some people, I don't know you. For example, in Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Matthew 7, 21. That means these girls didn't do God's will. God's will, in short, is for us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You might think, these poor girls always had their lights on. It was just the last moment that their light went off. It sounds unfair. A profound truth can sound unfair for shallow thinking. We don't have the authority to judge what's fair or not, but we must try to understand what Jesus means. Jesus expounds more in his last parable, but for now, let's dig deep into this parable to understand it fully. None of us want to be at the gate of heaven and hear God say to us, 
I don't know you. So how can we make sure God knows us? Paul said, anyone who loves God is known by him. 1 Corinthians 8.3 There are other verses, but this one is succinct. This verse explains why Jesus said that he didn't know them. The reason is these bridesmaids didn't love him. It was evident by the way they prepared. The foolish girls prepared half-heartedly, but the wise girls prepared wholeheartedly. Just as Jesus taught a moment ago at the temple, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Matthew 22, 37-38 This verse shows we must love God wholeheartedly with all our being, not just casually. Like the wise bridesmaids, we must be determined to see the Lord and join His wedding party. We'll get all the oil we need to burn through the night until sunrise. Jesus said, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Matthew 7, 22-23 See, these people perform miracles in Jesus' name. Who would doubt that they belong to God? But Jesus said that they never knew them and even called them evildoers and drove them away. It means your amazing deeds and power doesn't matter. Jesus Paul said, If I speak in the tongues of the mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic power and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 This passage reveals you can perform miracles without love. It doesn't say your work doesn't matter, but your work without love doesn't matter. In conclusion, the difference between the foolish and the wise bridesmaids is love. So your ticket to heaven is love. Not casual love, but wholehearted love. The love that leaves no room for error and the love that prepares for the worst, the kind of love that will make you determined to claim the gift of eternal life and join the eternal banquet of the Prince of Peace. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom, purpose, and happiness. Amen. Bye now.